Hello and welcome to Black and White Noise. The following episode was recorded on the evening of Wednesday the 20th of January 2021. Since the recording took place, the Parr's family has very sadly lost two of its former heroes in Barry Mitchell and Eddie Conaghan. Barry Mitchell played as a forward for Dunfermline between 1967 and 1972, making 141 appearances and scoring 32 goals for the Pars. He was part of the successful Scottish Cup run in 1968 and the team which reached the semi-final of the European Cup Winners Cup in 1969, playing in the first half of the second leg defeat in what was then Czechoslovakia. Eddie Conakin was a hugely popular goalkeeper, most famous for his incredible performance at Hampden in 1961 when the Pars beat Celtic to win their first ever Scottish Cup. Eddie played at East End Park between 1957 and 1963 making a total of 172 appearances and becoming the first Dunfermline player in 40 years to represent Scotland, making two appearances for the national side. The Parsh family is a little smaller today and the deepest sympathies of all at Black and White Noise go out to Barry and Eddie's families, as well as our sincere thanks for their efforts in service of Dunfermline Athletic Football Club. Hello listener and welcome to the latest edition of Dunfermline Athletic's official podcast, Black and White Noise. Yes, we're often imitated, never duplicated, often surpassed to be fair, but we are back again. Uh, as ever, I'm joined by legendary supporter and technical guru, Michael Thomas. Hello. And by Fife's premier sports writer and commentator, Jordan Burt. Good to be here, thanks for having me. No problem, Bertie, good to see you. And our fourth member today, we have an awesome guest. Undoubtedly, the best Welsh goalkeeper to play for the Pars in my lifetime, Owen Vaughan Williams. Hello. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Thanks for having me on here. It's great you could be with us. So, first thing, Owen, you're tall, athletic, sporty, born in North Wales, and you apply your trade as a goalkeeper. It does beg the obvious question how bad were you at rugby? <laughs> we don't play that. Uh shape a ball up north that that tends to get played down south up north it's a round ball so I, I didn't get a choice there it was always a round ball at Christmas all right okay that's good stuff I didn't know that I didn't know there was such a divide in Wales I thought the whole country was just fairly mad for rugby uh, when it comes to international we all kind of jump on the bandwagon but when it when it's a uh, sort of club or from day to day it'll be more football up north and and mainly rugby sort of in pockets in South Wales so considering that Wales are, are doing pretty well in, in rugby considering it's only a, a small pocket in Wales that actually plays rugby it's, it's quite strange that the perception is somewhat different I know I know from kind of the outside you'd think different but um, no in school and I'm sure maybe you can say the same thing in school sometimes um, different schools can kind of favour different sports depending on your teacher or whatever but uh, certainly in, in our school it was mainly just football. Okay, that's good. Uh, now obviously as a long-time listener uh, you'll know this but we normally start with a review of the game since we last recorded uh, and we recorded just before the season started. Uh, so we're, we're sitting here on the 20th of January. Uh, the last game was away at Morton on Friday. So what I thought we should do is a kind of in-depth review, a really deep dive of the tactical nuances of our nil-nil draw at Capolo. So who wants to go first with that? <laughs> um, well, 
Yeah. And and then and then it was the second half. It was, it was, <laughs> it was, a, it was a battle. We, we could say this all wine because you're you you were blameless to what was going on in front of you. Yeah, you, you had a absolutely perfect game. You know what? Before the game, any game, all you can ask for is uh, the foundations. It's always a clean sheet, and you build on that. And to be honest with you, you couldn't. There's nothing else to speak about that game because <laughs> the condition of the pitch, you couldn't actually pass the ball. It was bobbling all over the place. I remember I, I got two back passes, and um, and honestly. I was, my heart was in my mouth because I was just hoping to God this ball wasn't going to hit me in my knee. Um, but thankfully, I, I connected well enough with it. But um, yeah, my heart was in my mouth. And yeah, I, I think I stopped breathing for, for about 20 seconds and just hoped this ball was going to end up back in the sky, which it did, thankfully. But it was one of them games where, yeah, it's not going to be one. Um, for the history makers in that sense purely because we couldn't play football on it no one could it was a game where the ball was going to be in the sky more than what, what it was going to be on the ground it's, it, was a, it was a strange one as well that the Capolo pitch very famous game in Dunfermline's history we won promotion there about nine years ago and, and we turned up and it was like a bowling green it was possibly the best pitch I've ever seen uh, but you know we're, we're all at the you know, we're all at the mercy of the elements at the moment. Uh, at least, at least we got a game to play because it had been quite some time. But yeah, you're right. It's the last thing the goalkeeper wants is that the second before he's about to punt the ball is a, a Paul Robinson moment when it you know hits off a divot and ends up in the goal. Especially not on live yeah, TV. And that's right. happened to me as well, by the way. Not just Paul Robinson. <laughs> that, 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 was, that was the famous one with the the Borat. Uh, Borat advertising hoarder, do you not remember that? I don't remember that. No. <laughs> it was when Borat was out and they had uh, electronic advertising hoardings, I think it was in Croatia. And, and basically, the, as soon as he misses the ball and it trickles in, it changes to the Borat <laughs> advertising. So it was <laughs> perfect uh, advertising for the film. That was, that was for England, wasn't it? I do remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was yeah, I, remember yeah. Uh, I remember oh. the game, Life of a Goalie, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> So if you've got any kids, tell, tell them to play outfield. <laughs> you could be Tom King of Newport, though. He scored the other day. I don't know if he, he scored from what a... What a cracker it was. That was amazing. The, the, the wind just took it. It was incredible. I've only seen one angle. It just disappears. You know, the camera's lost it completely, and the next thing you see it bouncing. I've not seen any other angle, so I don't know if there's a better one. Mm. No, I, I saw the exact one as you, and I thought someone had been tampered with the footage because the yeah. ball... Obviously, the camera couldn't keep up with the ball or something or other. Mm. And all of a sudden, this ball's flying in. Uh, but fair play to him. <laughs> it was some kick. He, he, he kind of just took it in his stride, though. I mean, I know nobody's there, but, uh, you know, he did. He, he, it looked like he did it all the time. <laughs> he went back and jumped up, touched his bar and took a drink of water. It was quite quite kind of calm. That's another thing Paul Robinson's done. This is now the Paul Robinson podcast. <laughs> yeah, I actually remember that as well. Yeah, the, the the positives of Morton is, I mean, they, they are kind of top half of the table, and they didn't look like scored them. No, they didn't. I mean, we were very solid. Yeah, our shape was really good, um, and you know, in all in all seriousness, what you uh, set up to do in every single game is to go out with a decent defensive shape to start off with, um, and especially when you're playing away, you don't want to be giving anything away. 
Um, and we had a great shape. I don't think I had a save to make, to be mm. honest with you. I had a couple of crosses to come for, a couple of through balls, but nothing major. They, they didn't hurt us one bit, and that's purely down to the way we set up to play against them, not to give them anything at all. Um, and that's what we what we did. Um, so from that point of view, we, we were you know fantastic what we did out there on Friday night. Jordan, you obviously watch all the games uh, very closely, being the commentator. You and Murray was getting a lot of plaudits at the start of the season. Obviously, that was for for scoring a lot of goals. But uh, I think Watson's really coming on to a game at the the back. I was going to say Paul Watson there, and I doubted myself as soon as I said it. But uh, that is right, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I mean, going back to um, Friday's game to begin with, I thought, because obviously I sit and do the highlights as well. So to begin with, I thought I might not get you know, too much highlights out of the actual match because watching it on the TV, it didn't seem like there was maybe an overlay. Um, you know, there wasn't too many chances being created from either side. But when I went through and done the highlights, I felt that we actually created a lot of good chances. Maybe um, maybe we didn't cut them open as much as we would have liked. And I don't know, maybe Owen could just, you know, tell me if that's right or wrong. But... I thought that we created enough chances to win the game and on a different night we could have won one nil. And um, as Owen said, it's it's about, you know, when you go to a away game, it's about building on the foundations of a Paul Watson and a Ewan Murray centre-back partnership, which has been an, an ever-present all season. And as you said, Stephen, they, they seem to be progressively getting better and better each game. And, you know, I'm, sh- I'm sure Owen will be able to speak about it more as well from his perspective. But e- even though we've had maybe injuries to Aaron Combray at right back this season, Lewis Martin's not been um, available and Josh Edwards has had to step up to the mark. Despite those maybe slight changes out in the full-back positions, we've had a really solid foundation to build on. And that's potentially the difference this season compared to last, is that we're maybe giving ourselves a chance to, to go and compete in matches. We've also got a better goalkeeper. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. You know, um, Jordan said it there. Um, he just pointed out about the, the kind of the back four, but what's been key in in my opinion, not just the back four, they've been fantastic, take nothing away. But what's also key to all of this is, is, is sort of the back four and the person in front of them that guides them as well and protects the back four. For me, that person there, which has been wit, he's been incredible picking second balls up, being in the right position at, at the right time. Um, maybe things you that's not fancy on the eye, but he's always there to put his body when needed at the right time. He's a strong, physical guy who's got so much experience that's mm. vital to this fo- football team. Um you know, whether it's Wits or whoever else that'll play in that position, it's a huge role for us, I feel. By by having someone there to protect the back four, that also allows then the attacking players to have a little bit more freedom, perhaps. Um, and going back to the Friday game, as Jordan's saying, we did create chances. But I will point out as well, maybe on another day, on a better surface, that ball would have bounced slightly, you know, a little bit more kindly for one or two of us um, because if you were to watch it back or if you were to see the ball rolling on that pitch then you would see it bouncing all over the place and you could say oh you know we should do better or whatever but it was very very difficult on Friday night um, 
And it was one of them, it didn't fall kindly for us at times when we were in that final third. Um, but take nothing away from that. We did create a couple of a decent chances. Um, so, yeah, no, there was positives 100% from that game. Going on to what Wayne said there regarding a player being in front of the back four, I think what impressed me was a couple of games ago against Inverness away, um, I think it was Lewis Mayo that ended up coming into that position. And while um, I think he's played in that position maybe once or twice for Rangers at youth level or reserve level, um, for him to step up into a first-team match and kind of control that midfield the way he did with the experience that Stephen Whitaker brought to that position previously, I think that that was an impressive factor. And I think that's maybe the difference between this season and potentially last season is we've got that adaptability within the squad to um, switch things around. And if players are injured, suspended, rested, just changed for certain tactical reasons, I think we've got that strength and depth despite a small our squad. Maybe in recent seasons, we've got the quality there that could kind of step in and, and make that transition easier. Sorry, Michael, you were going to say as well? Uh, I was going to. Oh, I was going to talk about the the chance at the end. You're talking about the pitch, Owen, and the, and the also the couple of chances. There's the shot. Kind of made you hit it now. Just 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 whistled past the post. But I had a feeling that that just took a little nick off the pitch and went wide. I think in another day it could easily have just gone in. It was Lewis man as well. It was a pity too. It was first goal. Yeah, yeah. It was. Yeah. Um, uh, it, was a, it was a good chance. Aye. Yeah, but there's another another positive from that game is to see Lewis McCann. Um, he he offers us something different from the other forward players that we have. He's a good size. He's young. He's hungry. He's quick. He's physical. Um, he's got bags of potential, and it's just great that you know um, the gaffer and the staff are giving these guys an opportunity, a, a platform to go out there and and show what they can do. Um, and he did. Did really well again on Friday night. Um, like you say, maybe on another day he, he that ball would have gone in. I don't know, but um, what he's showing us is that he can uh, offer the team something different to what we've got. But it, looking at the record so far this season, and this is research for you, Michael. Uh, seventeen seventeen games, ten wins, six draws, and one defeat. Obviously ignoring the the penalty shootout. So it's it's easier to bring guys in when you're on a run a form like that, you know, to bring people into a team that, are, you know, is either winning or at least not getting beat, uh, or beaten, I should say. Uh, you can edit that out, Michael, that horrific use of English. I, I can, but I won't. No, no. Been, been, <laughs> what I'm trying to say in a roundabout way is it's easier to bring young guys in to get experience and to find their feet in a team that's doing well. It is. Um, no, 100%. But... Um... It's it's also having the right balance because when it's easy to, as you say, bring someone in, that, that's the easiest part. But what you don't want to do is bring people in that's going to have an, a, not the right effect on the group um, and you don't want to uns- uh, unsettle anything um, because, you know, what you're saying there about the stats sounds pretty damn good to me. If you were to say that at the beginning of the season, I'm sure any one of us would have snapped your hand for that. I'll tell you another thing I've, I've noticed this season. I got a bit obsessed a couple of years ago. That we just didn't score equalisers. I think, I think we won at Tanadice the first game of the season and then we scored one equaliser in the next 20 games. So, I, if, we, if we went behind, we were beaten. 
this year so far, obviously, we lost the goal in about the first minute against Inverness in the league game. We, we ended up winning that. We, we turned the game around against Clyde in the, the League Cup. And even more impressively, if you like, the Rovers game, 2-0 down, and we got it back to 2-2. And unbelievably, the Dundee game, we still didn't throw the towel in, uh, even though I did and stopped watching it 3-0 and told Michael I was <laughs> off to the pub. He said, you better get the, better get back on it. <laughs> Never give up on your team, eh? <laughs> So what you're saying, Stephen, is you snuck out the stadium and then you snuck back in? I basically, <laughs> if, 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 if I, in my defence, I was playing, a, it was on the tablet and I was playing a game with my daughter and she wasn't getting full attention. So then when the third goal went in, I figured I could give her my full attention. But I checked in with Michael and he told me it was 3-2 and he told me to put it back on. So I saw the Declan McManus free kick, which was, which was a stunner. Uh, yeah. But yeah, the, the team spirit's obviously there. You don't, you don't go about... You know, turning around a, a bunch of games if you've not got a lot of belief within the camp. No, that's right. Do you know what? The, f- the first thing, and the first thing I've noticed here um, since coming back here, there's no panic. Um, and you can sense that straight away. Um, just think about it in any job you do or whether it's life at home or whatever. But if someone starts to panic, that has an effect on the next person and the next person. And it's not always a good thing because then you're on eggshells, you get angry, you get frustrated and things don't go your way. So there's not, you know, not a lot of lads that do panic. It's all quite calm. Um, The first, obviously, one was the Inverness one when we went down a goal so early in the game, first game of the season. Um, And to go, you know, that was a, heavy blow to take first game of the season against a, a, a decent team in Vanessa coming to East End um, but there was no sign of panic whatsoever we just went around our business just exactly how we would in training or exactly how we had done in, in the previous kind of cup games or friendlies whatever um, before playing that game and that's kind of just been the case in the other games that we've gone down um, well what we have got because we got back in the game and because we won that game against Inverness, that gives you then the belief and the confidence to when you do go back, go down, that you do have that belief that we're going to come back, come back in the game or win the game or whatever, which we've done. And that's something you can give that. You can't teach it. It's something within the team. It's something, it's a trust within that bond between the players on the pitch. And um, Certainly, there's something in this group. They've got um, a bit between their teeth and never say die attitude. I'll tell you what was really impressive about that as well, because we've seen it in the past. We've seen a team do, or seen teams in the past do really well in the Betfred Cup. You know, it's, it's cruised through the group uh, and, and they don't actually take it onto the league form. So sometimes it can be a false impression. So losing a goal after the first minute and, you know, that the, the real big game, you know, against Inverness, the first in you know, the league game, uh, it did show great spirit and great belief to, to bring it back and deservedly won the game in the end. Uh, it was another one that Inverness didn't trouble us too much after, uh, certainly after it went to 1-1, it only looked there was going to be one winner. It, just a, just another question on that, Owain. Uh, obviously, this is a strange, strange season. How how were the first couple of games? How did, how did it kind of translate when you're out on the pitch it feels like a training game, but it's not. Yeah, you've got to train your head. Slightly different, if you know what I mean. Um, 
when you go to a game, yes, it's a battle. Yes, it's a challenge. Um, but normally you've got the fans there that gives you that bit extra, if you know what I mean. Um, that noise behind you that drives you along. Even the bit in the warm-up where I do my warm-up and the fans are there and that kind of ex- excitement that comes with it all, the music, um, the fans piling in. But the one for me that kind of uh, sticks sticks in my brain quite a bit is the when we played in Venice, going back to that game, about midway through the second half, it was kind of like the adrenaline was wearing off mm-hmm. from being the first game of the season, you know, the hype of the first game. Because no, the first game of the season is the big one. It's what you've been preparing for how many weeks for, you know? So you're ready for it and you want to impress and you want to get a good start and different things. Anyway, halfway through the second half, it, it struck me and um, it was just dead in a way because there was no one there. Um, and obviously, I, I've been lucky enough to have played at East End Park um, where the fans have been bouncing. You know, I was there when we beat Dundee United. And to see and to hear the fans the way they were bouncing after the game and you know enjoying themselves. Imagine if we had the fans this year. Imagine mm. how much they would have enjoyed being there, enjoyed watching us. And it's just a shame that they're not with us, you know, to enjoy this because football is about uh, emotions. And it's nice to share those emotions and that bond between the fans, the players, the staff, everyone involved with the football team, you know. Um, mm. And it's just such a shame. It's a huge shame, you know, you know, the fans are not with us. But we just hope, and I'm speaking on behalf of all the players here, we just hope we're doing the fans proud. Um, and we'll continue to do that um, and continue to do our best. And hopefully, hopefully after all this... Um, Hopefully we'll get to celebrate it all. Eh? It'd be nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> hope so. Hope so. I mean, it's yeah, it's it's very weird watching games, you know, alone in your living room or, or like maybe chatting with, with a friend by text during the game. It's it's not the same. And I can't speak for the other guys, but I'm sure it's true. We we miss it a huge amount. I'm, I'm missing the, the the feeling of being you know, surrounded by people and, and watching football matches and. Um, we're still enjoying watching the team and uh, still, still, I mean, it helps when you win the first, what, seven or eight games in a row. That that helps. But um, it's, it's, it's still the same uh, emotion. Well, I think I was going to ask you if you've kind of got used to it now. And I think we all have kind of got used to what, what's going on now. But it's still the same emotion on Boxing Day when you're watching Kevin O'Hara head of the ball in an injury time for a, <laughs> a smash and grab against our both. You know, I was off the sofa. It was... It was you know, just, I mean, it's not the same emotion straight after, but when the ball hits the net and you realise we've scored, it was it was comparable. Same when Declan and Manus battered in that free kick again. Uh, so, is there is there an element that the players get used to? Um, I suppose you've got to get your head around the fact that there's no fans there. Um, whether you get used to it is another thing, but um, you try and sort of block everything and make it sort of purely um, our team against their team, purely that, 
rather than any if that makes sense if you know what i mean mm-hmm. um yeah it's very hard to describe it but it's 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 very much um one way there's no other distractions if you know what i mean it's purely 11 men against 11 men um and and that's that's what it is unfortunately I was going to say the flip side, Owen, is uh, next time we're getting beat by Aloha when someone's walked through our defence and we're 1-0 down and there's 4,000 moaning fifers uh, on your back, <laughs> then you'll maybe hark back to the days where there was no fans. <laughs> uh, get, give me the hard time all day long. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's 35 years of watching the pars there coming out of me. Uh, but that, <laughs> Moving swiftly on, anyway, what, another thing I've noticed about the season, we seem to be a, be a very good second-half team. Obviously, some exceptions, but I, I was wondering what sort of tweaks, uh, or if any, are, are made in the dressing room at half-time. There's several games we've come out and been much better in the second half. It's uh, it's like Stevie and Greg have obviously been watching what's going on, noticed something, made changes, and, and several times it's paid off without it necessarily being any change of personnel. Can you give us any insight to, to kind of, what goes on at half time? Yeah, um, they take their time and they calculate everything. It's not like they, I'm talking about the staff now, it's not like they come in with all guns blazing and want to kick everything they see. It's not like that. It's very calculated. They they go away, they, they leave the players to it for a few minutes and then they come in and they try and reorganise and regroup the, the, the squad, the, the 11. Um so, you know, there's a good balance there between the gaffer, um, uh, Dan and Greg, obviously Wits um, and Gary, and, uh, and they all have an input or whatever. Uh, and then they come in then and, and, uh, and sort of give us the, the team talk for the second half. But it's all calculated. It's Like I say, it's not the old school effing and blinding and pointing fingers at anything like, like that. I thought I think those days have gone yeah. um, because you're not going to get a reaction from the players. The players need something um, that makes sense, something mm-hmm. that is actually going to make a change rather than just like back in the day, you'd think, oh, it would be someone shouting in your face. Yeah, you might get a reaction for 10 minutes, but then you may be back to square one. Um so no, like you say, we've 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 done really well in the in second half of a lot of games. Um, and the gaffer always says it's the the team finishing the game that is the team that kind of uh, wins the game for the team, not the team that starts the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's including everyone there. He's not including you know the eleven that starts. And it's very important that it's a. a a collective thing rather than just the you know the 11 um he does he does say, he pretty much says that every every game I've, I've often wondered that that was me just thinking out of the box there but maybe not that I've often wondered why you don't set up a team you know say, say you've got say they reckon you've got a, an hour out of someone say a star striker what would normally happen the conventional wisdom would be to start them see how long you get out of them and then replace them why not put their sub on first for the first half an hour, or the first half, and just say, you know, go for it, hell for leather, you know, just just leave nothing back because our guys coming on to to you know in the, in the second half because like most goals proportionally are scored in the last quarter of the game, 
Yeah. You've been the very best team on the last part of the game. I, I think Starting's overrated. <laughs> but um, at the end of the day, if you win the game, I don't care. Eh? <laughs> if you win in the first minute or win in the last minute, I, I really don't care. Um, but uh, you can't. You never can predict a football game. Eh? It's just the way it goes. Um, but yeah, happy to take the win, whichever way it comes. That's just why I'm doing a podcast. I'm not in football management. But it's just... <laughs> Good point, though. <laughs> uh, it's quite interesting. Stevie Stevie Crawford played under Jimmy Calderwood, who was the manager for our most successful team in the last 40 years. Uh, and I remember hearing Jimmy Calderwood interviewed about halftime. And, and he said, he, said he actually, at halftime, he went in and said nothing for two minutes, just for the reason that you mentioned. So there's far too much emotion, especially if something's happened in a couple of minutes before halftime, you know, someone's given a ball away or, you know, and, and he said that yeah, that's exactly what you did. He said, absolutely nothing, let everyone calm down. And then he, that, that's when he, that's when he kind of started making the points uh, that he'd, you know, taken over the full 45 minutes. So it's interesting to hear it's kind of a, a similar type of style. The, the, the other thing I was just going to ask you about, Owen, is the, your goalkeeping coach. So, you, so you're, you're involved in the coaching staff as well. How are you finding that? I love it. You know, um, I, I've always enjoyed sort of learning about different style of goalkeeping and different training, different things like that. And I've been lucky enough to w- have worked with some phenomenal goalkeeping co- coaches Um and some bad ones, um, but mainly good ones. But 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 I'm not saying that as a bad way because it's it's always a way of learning, uh, and and I love learning. Don't care what it's about, but I want to learn all the time um, because I want to better myself. Whatever it is, if I can better myself with something every day, then I'll be a better guy. Um, so no, having having been given this opportunity to kind of look over the goalkeepers. And training is um, something I'm really enjoying. But having said that, I'm very lucky to have a very good group of guys um, with Cammy Gill and Ben Swinton, two workaholics that love goalkeeping. Um, brilliant! I, I couldn't wish I couldn't have had two better goalkeepers to uh, to kind of start me off as a goalkeeping coach, if you know what I mean. Um, so I can't speak highly enough of the of both of them, to be honest with you. They're, they're making my job, you know, from day to day so much easier by the way they apply themselves from day to day. So the future's in good hands. Yeah, definitely. The, the, um, the, I can, I, as I say, I can't speak highly enough of them. Um, that they're, they're both, obviously, Cammy's about 22, Ben's about coming up 20, maybe 20 years. Um, you know, to see them work and the work ethic they've got, they just want more. They're just hungry for it. And see, for me, it's brilliant because I've got different drills thrown at them and trying to push them and doing my best to get them better as well and making sure they're enjoying it. Because um, that's the big thing. You've got to enjoy what you're doing. You've got to enjoy turning up and and uh, and and being a goalkeeper. Um, so no, I, I'm. I'm thrilled to have been given this opportunity, and I'm uh, enjoying every day of it. Great stuff. If you're if you're um, training up Cammy and Ben, no wine, who who trains you? You not got Van Nistelrooy coming <laughs> you again or that? No. Talking of Van Nistelrooy, he used to take shots at me when I was about fifteen. 
Um, <laughs> but uh, no, so we train each other. And what I say to them every single day, not every day, but my kind of motto is, if we all train each other as hard as we possibly can, then we're going to improve one another. Whatever happens after that happens, it's out of our control. But what's in our control is what we can do to improve ourselves. And I'm going to do everything I possibly can to improve Cami and Swint. And, uh, and if that happens, hopefully that's improving me as well. So that's what we try and do. That's the goal. Great stuff. Well, I was just going to ask everyone before we kind of move on uh, to talk about one or two other things and, and, and Owen's career is just your, your highlights of the season so far. But maybe a game and a player or two that have uh, stick in the memory and, and or a player has impressed you. So we'll start with Jordan first. Um, <clears throat> probably looking at the Hearts game, obviously in terms of the result. Um, of course, playing the, the team that's kind of fancied for the week and. Um, you know, they won't get as easy as maybe they thought in the championship and that certainly teams like ourselves are, are wanting to be up there and wanting to compete with them. I think that from that standpoint, that was probably the most memorable in terms of the result and, and the kind of overall performance. I suppose the other ones, as we mentioned earlier, was the kind of two comebacks a later race in Dundee to show that gritty determination that, the team were going to keep fighting for the full 90 minutes and that, you know, that's the, that's what could really give us success this season. I think that um, those those three games kind of stick in my mind as well. And I suppose if, if, if I'm going to say a fourth one, I suppose the kind of St. Johnson Cup game as well, where we maybe didn't show the attacking qualities that we maybe know we have throughout the whole 120 minutes, but even after we went 1-0 down again, we showed that that kind of uh, belief within the squad to, to bring on Ian Wilson an extra time and for him to get in the box and, and basically stick away a, a half chance. Um, I think it was a, a cross that came in and flicked on. So I think that, um, that, that for many different reasons of many different games that we could all speak about, but I think that the overriding feeling at the minute is just that we've got a squad of players that will they'll give 110% for the full 90 minutes, 120 minutes, or however long we're going to play. If you can add to that, Michael? I was going to say much the same. The fact that, um, and you touched on it earlier, Stephen, like there's games last year when we go one down, that's it, game's over, you might as well go home. Um, this year, it's like, aye, we're always in the game. Um, and my very favourite moment, um, is another one you touched on, was their, uh, their Broth game with O'Hara's last-minute goal. Oh, I was just <laughs> absolutely amazing. But that, so that one um, beating Falkirk, obviously. I know, and yeah, absolutely. Um, and beating beat the Hearts was a was a proper statement um, that we, you know, we're we're here to compete, and it was it was good. Um, and the Clyde game, coming back and scoring those late goals against Clyde was was good fun. So uh, I felt sorry for Clyde right enough, but it was uh, yeah, not that sorry. No, I did that. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just jump in there as well and say one of my most memorable moments as well and if you guys were watching the stream Stephen and Michael you'll maybe remember it is when we were playing Morton at home and I was convinced the ball was over the line and I thought Morton had scored to go 2-0 up but the referee seemed to disagree with Yes, them. yeah, and you might have been right The chance it was over the line Owen might disagree 
Something's wrong with this line. I can't hear you. <laughs> it's not the only line that there's something wrong with. <laughs> uh, no, but you know what? What you're saying there, it goes back to it. everything we're doing from day to day at the club. And we're taking each game one at a time. And that's kind of what you're saying there. You could pick the majority of games that we've, we've been in them all. Um, and there's something from each and every one that's, that's kind of... Uh, been a bonus that's you know um that's been good um but for me obviously the big one for me is heart uh, beating them the favorites to win the league the favorites to bounce back into the SPL and and all this and that and yes they are a good team but um so are we and we showed them um that game that that you know um we're not going to be walkovers and we're going to roll our sleeves up and we're going to give anyone a fight and that's what we've done and that's what we've done this season and that's exactly what you're saying in a way in each and every one of the uh, you know of these games you're talking about there that's what we've done and that's what we all do from game to game um, so it's about continuing that isn't it going from game to game and, and being in the game and having positive being positive and, and being compact I'll, I'll, I'll tell you another thing that's not been mentioned there that Kevin O'Hara coming off the bench at Aloha and scoring a hat trick in the second. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, D game as well, of course. What's that? And the Dun- yeah, Dundee game. Yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd add on another one penciled in, and it was, it, it's, it's about out of left field here, but Air have given us a lot of problems. They've been a good side the last two or three years. Uh, you know, obviously they've been fighting for, you know, playoff places and things like that. We went there. It was a no-no draw, but much like Friday's game, we were at, we were better. But I, I thought we were never in danger of losing the game. I thought it was a bit of a statement as well. We, we, we went there and pressed our kind of game upon them. Couldn't quite get a goal. I don't know how. Uh, you know, people then looked at it and said it was a no-no draw and said it was a poor performance. I actually didn't think it was. I just think we kind of lacked a bit of luck in front of goal and, and, and probably deserved the three points. I, I thought for the fact that we are going away from home to places like that and 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 going on the front foot. I, th- I thought that bode well for the, the rest of the season, uh, given it was one of the first games. Mm. Uh, other things as well, kind of the coming of age so far of, of Kyle Turner has uh, been a big positive this season. Uh, I, th- I think we may be, there was there flashes that we saw last season and then we've bought in a bunch of decent midfielders as well. It's the, it's the most congested part of the squad. Uh, but he's, he's really showed his worth any time he's been on the pitch uh, and made himself a, a, a vital component of the first 11. I, I, I'll not ask you to single anyone out, Owen, but uh, you obviously were there last season when he was he was in the squad. And this season, have you noticed a big difference? Massive, a massive difference. Um, his energy. Uh, don't get me wrong; he's always energetic, but I, I feel now he's taking the game on a hell of a lot more. He wants the ball. He's demanding the ball. He's taking the ball forward. He's. Uh, He's everywhere, even in training, the amount of goals he scores in training, you know. Um, he's a really good player who is very confident at the minute and that's what you want. You want confident players and and that's exactly what the manager is, you know, that's that's what the manager is preaching every single day. He wants confidence in, the, in his team. He wants the lads to have freedom, especially the ones going forward. Um, and he's trying to to be as positive as you possibly can with these forward players. Having said that, as a staff then, going back to what you're saying about um, the the playing away and getting a, a, a draw, a nil-nil draw, whatever, 
that equally as important as being creative the other side of the pitch as well, which, you know, we, we the balance there has been brilliant by the staff, I must say. And and another one, just before we move on, Dom Thomas, uh, start of the season, it looked like the second coming Aryan Robin. It's kind of tailed off a little <laughs> bit, but I mean, obviously we're in the winter months, but uh, absolutely phenomenal the first uh, first dozen games or so. He's a wizard, isn't he? You know, we saw that last season um, and and this season as well. When he's got that ball in his feet, he, he wants to, he's got that movement where he's, uh, he wants the defender to commit and then he goes the other way. He loves taking people on. We know he's got a great delivery as well, which he's been, I don't know how many assists he's got from, from set plays or whatever, and probably you know, Muzaz on the end of them or, or whoever else. But um, yeah, he's been key for us this season, hasn't he, with his with either his delivery at, from set plays or uh, from from taking people on in open play. But um, no, as you say, it's been winter months. The, the, the surface that we play on hasn't been, obviously, this point in the season isn't going to be kind to us um, but no he's been great for us um, so no Bertie one last thing uh, regards the, the the current squad what can you tell us about Kevin McDonald sorry Kyle McDonald of, of, uh, who's come from Airdrie um, well it's not actually a player that I've seen in the flesh but certainly from what I've heard of him or um, about him um, he seems to be a very flexible player across the back line. He sounds very Lewis Martin-esque in terms of he can cover basically both sides of the back four and could probably slot into the centre or central midfield role as well. But I think from the way the manager's speaking, he sees him more as a fullback, which um, again is great competition for places that You've got a guy like Aaron Comrie just signing a two-year deal who last season maybe didn't have that direct competition for a place this year. Lewis Mills came in as a centre-back on loan from Rangers and has pushed him at right-back while Aaron's been injured. And now we've got Kyle McDonald and it gives him that genuine competition there as well. And with Lewis Martin injured and Miller Fenton maybe slightly inexperienced, that gives Josh Edwards a bit of competition there as well. So... On the outset, without actually seeing Kyle play yet, it looks like a, a solid signing on paper. It's another young player that we've brought to the club with the idea of progressing and developing them on a two-and-a-half-year deal. So it shows, again, commitment from the club, from the management in terms of the the um, ideas and philosophy that they're going with, but also shows commitment from another player that's, that sees them firmly as the right pathway to... Uh, continue their career and and um, shows the the trajectory that we've been on since Stevie Crawford took over in terms of attracting players to the club because people are seeing guys like Kevin Nisbet go on to to do bigger and better things because of the the management that they've had at Dunfermline. So it, it sounds like a positive um, inclusion to the squad on the outset. Good stuff, Bertie. I thought you were going to tell me you were on Y Scout every night and I did see them several <laughs> And Owen, you were saying he can sing. He can sing. I've heard him singing. Um, don't be expecting a, a single to come out. Don't get me wrong, but from a, a footballer point of view, he was he was pretty decent at singing. He was confident, and I don't think you can ask for anything more. I think all the other lads joined in, and he had a clap and whatever else. He was never booed off. Um, but no, in all seriousness, though, what well, I've seen him maybe twice, three times now in at training. 
And um, my first impression, he's, I think he's about 21. He He's not built as a 21 year. He's like a man. He's built like a man. He's solid. He's um, aggressive in the way he defends, which I love. He doesn't back off. He is in your face. He wants that ball. He wants that contact. Um he offers himself forward. We were playing 11 v 11 on yesterday and um, in training. And it was, it was great to see how confident he is in going forward by, you know, doing the overlap. If we're playing in a 4-4-2 or whatever, he was uh, supporting the, the winger and, and offering himself down the flank to put crosses in deliveries. So, no, great addition to the squad competition, as you, you guys are saying. Um, delighted to have him here. Good stuff, good to hear. Uh, moving on to your, your your other team, Owen. Uh, Wales and Scotland both qualifying for the Euros. So it's something probably thought we'd never say, that the, both of them get in there. Now, maybe you guys less of a surprise than, than us at the moment. Uh, very good qualifying campaign for Wales. Uh, I was looking at your group as well, Italy, Switzerland and Turkey. So on the face of it, very competitive. Uh, I take it you're hopefully making the squad? I'm taking it game by game. You know, one thing I say is I'm lucky enough to have had the time that I've had with Wales. Whatever comes or whatever comes now is just a bonus like the last camp was. Um, I wasn't expecting to be in the camp. Um, I had a phone call from the keeper coach saying, be ready, um, you're going to be included in the next squad, which, just like you guys, if you were included in the Scotland squad, you'd be absolutely delighted, wouldn't you? And, and the same with me, you know. Um, obviously, uh, like I say, I've, I've been lucky to have been with Wales. Um, the best team Wales have ever had, and I've been lucky enough, I've been there, and to see it all first hand um, and I kind of went away I went to play in America and I came back and I knew then my time with Wales was done and I was I was more than happy with everything that ha I had seen and been through with Wales but to kind of get that opportunity in November to kind of go back there and see some of the boys that was that was nice it was it was nice if it's going to be my last time then it was kind of nice just to see the boys again um, and it was quite nice I well, I hadn't seen some of them for three years. And um, it's that look when you see, I think there was only about four of us in that squad that was in France in the Euros. And that look you get every time you go for a meal, whether it's, a bre whether it's breakfast, lunch, or your evening meal, you look at one another and you know there's something, that bond between you and that other guy that no one else has and it's something so special and it's it's like we've never been away from being in France if you know what I mean and that I don't want to be negative in being all stuck in the past there but what I'm trying to say is it was so, such a special time it, it was just amazing you know it, it literally was phenomenal to be involved there and, and to go back there in November and to be with the lads and kind of the, the stories we were it, we were bringing up it was just you were going back there it was just a special time something uh, if only you could bottle a moment in bottle time and keep it there and go and you know just kind of dip back in and out of it it would be that time amen to that 
so uh, there's a the, the two main keepers for Wales. Is it, is it Danny Ward and Wayne Hennessy still? Yeah, fantastic goalkeepers, both of them. Um, Wayne Hennessy's been a, a huge part of of what Wales has done for the past. I don't know, however long. Well, he's been there since maybe about twelve years. Um, Wayne's around about the same age as me, and I've grown up with him. Um, the and you know I'm great friends with Wayne, by the way. Um, but the tough one for me, it's it's a shame I've had such a good goalkeeper <laughs> kind of competing with me, you know. <laughs> but. Um, I wouldn't have it any other way because he's a fantastic guy and a great goalkeeper and, and I've, I've ju- just been lucky enough that I've been able to to be a part of all this while he's been taking you know the front stage to it all. I'm just going to throw it out there. The reason I, I, I was looking at it, none of the two of them are playing at the moment. You're the only one that was in a regular game. I know, but um, you know the experience that guy has. Yeah, it's just honestly, honestly now this. Uh, you can't give experience, as in experience is just something that'll outshine everything else. And he'll step on a on a field, and I don't know how he does it. He'll he'll go from not playing a single game for six months, and he'll play for Wales or whatever, and it'll be like he's never been a you know. It's like he's been playing regular football. Mm. It's he's that comfortable, and that is the quality of that footballer. That's why he plays at where he plays is because he's that comfortable at playing at that level. And that's the difference in players. And of course, you obviously play a trade in Scotland, a massive boost to Scottish football to qualify, uh, especially in the manner that we did playing so well in Serbia, you know, throwing it away in typical Scottish style. And then unbelievably, it turns out we're the best team in the world at penalty shootouts. Who knew? <laughs> uh, it was brilliant. But you know what? We, our game was done. Um, I think we were playing against uh, USA and so we come back to the dressing room and the, and the telly was on and there's a lot of the guys here that are friends with the boys from the Scotland team um, and one of those guys was David Marshall obviously played for Cardiff and we've got a lot of the players that have played for Cardiff or, or staff and they were going absolutely nuts because obviously they're friends with David Marshall but I was obviously going nuts as well because my daughter was born in Scotland here um, and I'm not going to lie if, if, if ever Scotland or one any other Celtic nations are, are in a tournament then that's my team you know um, but I was absolutely delighted to see Scotland going through and rightly so it's about time we see Scotland in a major tournament and, and I'm absolutely looking forward to it I, again I just hope there's going to be some sort of fans going there because what this does in a tournament like this is it's just like a big carnival, isn't it, really? Yeah. When you've yeah. got fans from different countries with their own colours and the face painted and they're wearing all sorts of different things. But it's, it's unbelievable. Um, whether you're from that country or whether you're a total neutral, I think it's just a breath of fresh air to see that. It's just amazing. So... I don't know if this tournament will allow fans, but I, I'm I'm hoping to God that they there'll be some sort of a of hope to see some fans there. Yeah, I, I think a full stadium is probably unlikely, but hopefully, hopefully <laughs> some representation. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I I given up as soon as we lost the goal in in the last minute. I thought there's no way we're seeing it through, 
uh, obviously delighted to get there. And I wasn't quite as, uh, I, I knew what the group was going to be if we got through, but I wasn't quite as aware that we, we had two games at Hamden. I knew it was all around that, you know, I know, I know there's no one host nation. I knew Wembley was hosting the, the semis in the final, but and I, I knew we were going to have to play England at Wembley, but I didn't know we had Croatia and the Czech Republic at home. So you're kind of looking at it going, from what looks like a terrible group, Croatia maybe not quite the team they were, especially if it was a packed hand, and Czech Republic we've actually beaten, albeit it was back to the wall, but, you know, we did beat them at Hamden with, with, with our proper team. Uh, you, you can and, and you'll know yourself, Owen. It's uh, 16 teams qualify at the 24, so you, you can kind of sneak through in third place as well. So th- there's even a chance that we could, you know, maybe make up, get it through a group stage for the first time ever. Uh, Definitely, but see from personal experience, yeah. When you qualify for something like this with a group of people, see that belief that gives that group of people a belief that you you can never get. Um, it's it's unbelievable. Um, the confidence those guys will get from the fact they've qualified and the way they've qualified will be put in, you know, they'll be in, uh, in a good place, in my opinion, come the Euros, purely because of, of, of everything they've done together. Um, I remember um, our first qualifying game against Andorra away. This was for the Euros in 2016. And um, everywhere I'd go, there was posters all over the hotel and everywhere else saying, you're on the brink of history. You're on the brink of history. Um, We knew we had a decent team. We knew we had a wizard in Gareth Bale and Aaron Ramsey. We knew they could be the difference in games. But Wales had always failed to qualify in how many years? Never qualified before. So see that? Straight away, that's a mental block for you. That is straight away negativity. But we had a, a, a what do you call them? A psychiatrist or whatever. Um, and um, oh, he was brilliant, by the way. But he plants the seed that you're on the brink of history, that you're about to change things, you're about to change the record. And with games, we obviously beat Andorra. And there's a story there as well at the end of the game. But um, every single game, it's like a snowball effect. That snowball's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And the same thing will happen to Scotland. That momentum of uh, that takes you to a special, special place. And... It, it, it's happening here in Scotland with a group of guys. That's going to put them in a really good place comes uh, when the Euro starts. Start from yourselves in the Euros. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think, did, did, did Wales beat Northern Ireland in the last 16? Am I remember that right? Was that yeah. a one? It wasn't, it wasn't much a game, but Wales, were, Wales were, had a bit more quality. And, and then you put in that display against Belgium in the quarter-final, which only yeah. comes from the momentum of, of, of getting through the group and getting through the last 16 game. Yeah. But you know what? The most important game for us was against Russia. Um, yes. So we played Slovakia to start off with. We we beat them 2-1. Um, second game is against England. As you know, our rival. Um, we lost to England, but it was the way we lost. We lost with a couple of seconds left in the game. Remember. And that is a real kick to the teeth, you know. It's a It's a... That was so difficult to take. 
That to be honest with you, losing to England in the second game because you know you've only got one game left in that group. Losing to England could have been enough for us to have gone under at that point. And Chris Coleman came into the into the dressing room after the game and he goes, uh, um, "Right, lads, tomorrow you can have off or whatever. You you crack on, do what you want, go away from one another, have a bit of time off." And it was Bale and Ashley Williams who, who said, no, 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 let's go and have burgers and chips together and a, a few glasses of Coke or whatever, and, and we'll regroup. And no one's going to go anywhere. Everyone's going to stay together, but we're going to enjoy ourselves. And that's what we did. We went for some burgers and chips and food that we hadn't eaten in a hell of a long time because we'd been together for weeks now, preparing for everything. And a few days later, we had Russia to play. And I remember before that game, Coleman said, guys, do me a favour, go out there and play like you do on the, uh, on the training ground. Just go out there, enjoy yourself. And if you do that, if you perform, everything else will t- look after itself. And honest to God, now, 15 minutes to go, the Russian boys, they were walking on the pitch because they couldn't get near us. We absolutely destroyed them. I don't know if any of you remember the game, but we... we, we and, destroyed Russia um, and we beat them 3-0 um, and we won that group so that just goes to show how to adapt quickly in a scenario when you've just been when you know when you've just lost in the way you've just lost to England mm-hmm. how to flip it the other way and you've got to flip it really quick because you've got to play your next game in about three days. So you haven't got a lot of time to get your head around the fact that it doesn't matter about England. What's done is done. And the press build it up and whatever else in that particular game because it was against them. But um, from then onwards, it was just, you know what, we, we're doing it our way. And um, and like you say, we played Northern Ireland. We beat them 1-0. Um, we knew it was going to be a, a tricky game because Northern Ireland was so well-organised. They were, a, they were a great team in terms of what they were set out to do, but it was just difficult to break them down because they had everyone behind the ball. Um, Bale put in a, a fantastic cross in. I know it was an own goal, but behind him was Hal robson Cano to put it in. And then the next game was against Belgium, the quarterfinal, which was, again, just a dream in itself to to to, to have beaten. They were the favourites to win the group. Belgium, they had some unbelievable players playing. Um, Hazard and... And all of them, you know, or the, the big, big names were playing. And uh, to beat them 3-1 the way we did, we went a goal down early doors, came back, that fighting spirit. Um, that in itself is just like, like a dream. It's just a bubble, to be honest with that game. Um, and then we were off to the semi-final. And, and you know, at the time when, when we got to, to France, I hadn't even unpacked my suitcase because I didn't know how long I was going to be there so I was literally <laughs> I had this posh room all to myself and I had my suitcase and, and all my clothes folded and still in the in the suitcase because uh, that's something and I think all oh, the lads were the same you know it was that humbleness if you'd like of appreciating that we were in this huge competition but then realizing you know we, we're just yeah we're a small nation um yes we're going to give it a go but we're not going to get ahead of ourselves, you know, we're going to do it our way. And that's what we did. We had a great time up there. It was, 
it was like a I'm not going to say like a holiday because it was very strict in what we did, but it was just a joy to be involved with the lads. It was it was brilliant. You could actually see it. The Biden memory I have is obviously Gareth Bale was your your superstar, uh, and he seemed to front up for every press conference. He seemed to be having a great time. He seemed to be, you know, he seemed to be having the weight of the world off his shoulders and just seemed to be enjoying himself being there. That's what he's like. Um, that's not a show. That's what he's like. But if you're, it depends if if he's comfortable enough with you, then that's what you're gonna get. Um, and that's 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 him down to a T. I remember we were playing against, um, I think it was against England, and he and he knocked on my door and I said, "This is literally we've had pre-match, so we're literally about to go and play against England." I think it was, and uh, he knocks on my door, open the door. Hey, Baylor, what do you want? Um, who do you who do you think's going to win the the US golf thing or whatever? <laughs> I'm like, I know nothing about golf, Baylor. I haven't got a Scooby Doo. Do you know we're playing England in about in about I don't know forty five minutes or whatever it was. Um, but again, it just goes to show the type of guy he is. Another time we were in we were in Paris. I think it was before the Northern Ireland game, and um, we went for a pre match walk um, just to stretch the legs. And as you can imagine, when you start walking from the hotel, it tends to be. <laughs> so many people walking with you you've got your security guards and whatever else that's you know you're walking and then more and more people join you um trying to get close to bail and whatever else so i'm saying to myself oh, I'm, I'm keeping well away from this guy because everyone obviously wants him um all of a sudden i hear someone going into my pocket right and i've got my phone in my pocket and i'm like someone's ro- trying to rob me here so i just literally grab this guy in a headlock because I can feel him going for my phone. Anyway, it's it's bail. <laughs> and again, this is again an hour before kickoff or something. So, um, uh, this is the type of guy he is. He is a a light, very likable guy. He is an honest man um, that has an incredible talent on the football pitch. Um, yeah. yeah, he's he's fantastic. Any chance of him joining us in um, January? I'd love, love to. I might have to ask the gaffer if he can have uh, number 11 and try and persuade him to come here. <laughs> One interview question I was going to ask at the end, but you've probably answered it, is if you turned up at Gareth Bale's door with your golf clubs, would he invite you into the garden to play golf? Probably not, because he knows I'm absolutely hopeless with it. I'll, I'll, I'll just ruin his green. Well, what I was going to say is, uh, if, you, if you arrive with a friend, would he let your friend play? And then could I be your friend? <laughs> Are you any good? I'm all right. I'll be a caddy then. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't ruin his golf course. I was looking after. Have you, have you any of you guys seen this? Yeah. He's got a he's got a three hole golf course in his back garden. I think it's like mid Glamorgan. His places. I'm, I'm not sure, but uh, it's not that. It's, it's, it's three par threes. So he's got the. I'm trying to think. It's the twelfth at Augusta. It's the. It's the. Postage stamp at Troon, I think it is, and it's the 17th at Sawgrass, which is the Island Green. So he's got three replicas of these. That, that's his back. <laughs> Class. <laughs> hey, it's, wow. it's, if only we'd have a back garden like that. Eh? <laughs> uh, 
struggling for time here. I was going to talk a wee bit about your career oh, and kind of go back. You, obviously, you started, you, you kind of trained with Liverpool Man United as a kid and, and joined Crew uh, as, as a 19-year-old. Is, is any of that or all of that correct? Yeah, so while I was in school, um, when I was about 12, 13, my, like many young goalkeepers, I'm sure that they'll have a parent or someone standing next to them in goal. Um, and it was my dad that stood next to my goalpost telling me where to stand at different period of the game. You know, if the ball was the other end, he'd be telling me, oh, you've got to go further up or whatever else to be in, to be in contact with your defence all the time. So anyway, this particular game, um, it was it was trials for, I don't know, something to do with the schools, um, the district or something like that. And anyway, the PE teacher, um, he had to pick three players from the school to go into the to, into these trials, whatever. Anyway, I wasn't one of the three. But luckily, one of them was too old to go. And because of that, I went. Anyway, long story short, there was a guy standing next to my goalpost and it wasn't my dad. And at the end of the game, he came up to me and yeah, this is sound, sounds weird, eh? but um, this is how scouting worked back in those days without white scouts and yeah, and, and all that. Anyway, this this guy came up to me and he said, um, I'm Dave Nicholas, I'm a Man U scout and a Wales scout. And I'm like, wow, I, I could barely speak English at this point because Welsh was my first language. So I'm looking at this guy thinking to myself, well, you know, who is this guy? And I'm not really sure how to take this because I've never been in this situation before. Anyway, um, a day later, uh, he rang my parents and he introduced himself again and invited me to go and train with the North Wales school or whatever. And from that, I went to Man U um, and I was with Man U. I was, I was going there every school holiday uh, to train and play with them. I couldn't officially sign with them because Manchester was too far from where, where I was from. Um, there's a rule where you've got to live within an hour and a half from the club you play for. And I was always two hours away from because of, of where I'm from. So I'd, I'd go every school holiday. I'd, I'd be going there. Um, and I remember one time I was supposed to go on 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 tour with them um, to South of England. There was a big competition thing there for my new. I was about 15. And two days before I was supposed to go, I went for a knockabout with my brother in the school field. And that day had been raining, typical. It always really rains in Wales. But, um, and, and someone had just cut the grass. And my brother took a shot and I've, I've, I've slipped. And I, anyway, I broke my, my arm. I snapped my something, a bone in my arm or whatever. Um, and that was me at Man U. They, they took another goalkeeper, signed him. And that's that. What's meant to be is meant to be. Anyway, I went to Liverpool straight after that. Once my arm was healed and whatever else, I went to Liverpool. I was offered a, a contract at Liverpool at 16. Um, so I was travelling back and forth to Liverpool maybe twice a, twice a week. My dad used to take me, pick me up. Well, I used to leave school a, a bit earlier. The, the headmaster was, was was a good man. He he allowed me to miss a little bit of the, the school lesson. And um, so my dad would take me to Liverpool, get the training done. And I'd play for them. Um, so they offered me a contract when I turned, you know, like a, a scholarship when I turned 16. Um, but just before then, he wasn't a friend of mine, but he was. He lived close by to where I was brought up. 
and he was about 21 at the time. He was a goalkeeper for Liverpool. And I remember meeting him when I was in Liverpool and and he was full of confidence and he looked the part being a Liverpool player coming from a small village like myself. He was, I looked up to this guy because he was, you know, he was, he was me, but an older version of me, if you know what I mean. Anyway, um, a month later, Liverpool had signed Jersey Dudek and, I don't know, Chris Kirkland and some other guy. So they signed three goalkeepers in one window. And all of a sudden, that goalkeeper was released and gone. My dad said to me, this isn't going to happen to you. You, you. This club's too big. If they want a goalkeeper, they'll just go and buy one. Well, they won't go and buy one. They'll buy three or whatever, like they've just done. And that's why I went to Crew at the time. They were in the championship. Um, they had a great reputation of developing young young uh, players and giving them an opportunity to go and play football. So we thought that's that's the way to go. Which crew did. It was great. I was there, I think, five years. I think it was a crew, four or five years. Um, it was brilliant. Um, and when I think back from my youth team, I think all the guys that were in my team went on and played professionally uh, and played in the you know league football, which says quite a lot about the, the academy we had at crew. However, what was frustrating for me was the crew had never... Um, developed a goalkeeper or given a goalkeeper a chance um, and I only found that out after I had signed so that was a tough one to take because they like a lot of clubs they promise you the world and they say are oh, we <clears throat> we're going to get a goalkeeping coach because they never had a goalkeeping coach um, and obviously at that point it's very important that you get someone because you're at an age where 16 to maybe 21 you need a goalkeeping coach to mould you in, into whatever you're going to be and th- they never got one but what I did I, I used to sneak on a I think it was a Wednesday night and a Tuesday and Wednesday night and a Friday night I used to sneak and go to Stoke University <laughs> for some goalkeeping uh, training with a guy called Fred Barber and he was the Bolton Wanderers goalkeeping coach at the time Bolton were in the Premier League and Fred's a fantastic goalkeeper coach. But I knew at that point, for me to be able to make it as a goalkeeper, I needed um, the basic done properly and, and done at the right level with a, the right level of, of goalkeeper coach. And by going and training with Fred Barber, um, that gave me the, you know, the, the, the kind of the, the tools or the platform I, want, I needed to... Uh, to make it as a goalkeeper, so crew to this day they they still no one really knows that story. But I used to do that I, uh, for a number of years, um, and then when it was time for me to renew my contract at crew, I declined it and I went to uh, I, I then signed for Stockport County in League One to go and play football, first team football. At that point, um, Swansea offered me a contract as well. I remember going down to the Liberty Stadium and, and meeting with Roberto Martinez. Um, that was exciting. That was unbelievable, the way he would speak about football and what he wanted. It was, it was brilliant. Just hearing his, how uh, enthusiastic he was about football it was brilliant. There's no wonder he's the Belgian manager um, and he's you know that good a manager. The way he spoke was phenomenal. And you'd think... I would have gone to Swansea by what I'm saying, but I wanted first team football. And at that point, 
he couldn't guarantee me first team football because they had Doris de Vries then, who was a fantastic goalkeeper who had just got Swansea promoted. And I was like, well, he's not going to drop him. Not a chance. Not for me. No chance. So I thought, Stockport County League One, again, not too far from home. By the way, Swansea's far from where I'm from. It's about five hours. Uh-huh. It's not like, you know, because it's in Wales, it's close. It's not. Mm. Uh, Stockport was only two hours away. So um, it was ideal because I could jump in the car and I'd be back home in two hours um, after a game or whatever. Um, so I went to Stockport. It was brilliant for me. Uh, loved it there. Um, and that was the start of the journey for me, really. Doris DeVries was at Dunfermline for a season. He was a fantastic goalkeeper. Mm. Yeah, and then later at Celtic. Uh, the only thing he did wrong was throw one in the net uh, in Vernes and it ended up getting us relegated but he was fantastic for the rest of the season that's the thing he's remembered for <laughs> life of a goalie I always say it yeah, yeah. That was, we were in the brink of staying up and we were in the cup final and, and we, we we didn't either we beat in the cup final and uh, and then going on down that season but uh, so yeah so you played you played uh, at a young age then you played a lot of games for Stockport and mm. a, a good level League One yeah well it was something I needed to do because I'd been at Crew for five years and um, I'd been promised a lot of things there that, that they never um, they never sort of uh, did what they said they were going to do um, so it was important for me then to try and get as many games under my belt as possible because I'd had the the, the the foundation was there in terms of a train for so long, but now I needed the experience of playing games. I needed the experience of making mistakes and learning what it was like to actually play football under pressure. Because um, you can play as many academy games, reserve games, whatever you call them, as much as you want. But when it comes to a first team game, when there's something you know at stake that's the nitty-gritty bit. That is what football's all about. When you've got livelihoods on the line, um, that's what, what I wanted. I wanted to to learn who I was as a as a goalie um, and Stockport gave me that opportunity. I, I, was, I was kind of researching this earlier. Uh, so, like I said, you did a bit of tour of Lancashire. So, so Stockport, Bury, Rochdale, Tranmere, uh, or, or the Lancashire, that kind of area anyway. Uh you seem to get a lot of plaudits about your performances, but you seem to play in a, a lot of teams that were perhaps battling at the wrong end of the table. I, I know Rochdale had a, a good season, but would, would that be correct? Were a lot of the teams kind of looking down the way than up the way, or, or, is, or is that not right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Don't get me wrong, we had good spells in, in, in some seasons, but problems, sadly, I've had. I've been at teams that have struggled maybe financially. Um, and obviously, like anything, money rules everything in the end, doesn't it? Um, in terms of football, um, with Stockport, I loved being at Stockport. It was a brilliant football club, unbelievable fans. But sadly, we went to administration, and once that happens, it's just there's only one way the team's going to go. Sadly, but for me, being a young young guy. I wasn't after the big bugs or anything like that. I literally wanted experience. I wanted to learn. Like I'm saying, I just le- needed the opportunity to to play football. Um, 
And um, uh, and yeah, that, that's why I had. So I went to Stockport. They went into administration, sadly. Um, and then that's when I went to Bury um, on loan because of that, really. Um, I went there for a, for a period. And then come January, I went to Rochdale um, before going to Tramia. Reason why I went to Tramia Rovers was because the goalkeeping coach that was there was my goalkeeper coach at Stockport, Dave Timmons, hmm. and that's that was the kind of the uh, the connection there. Okay, and so what was your what was your highlight of that time before you came to Scotland? Playing football. Um, I was an, at an age where I, I could have gone to Swansea. I could have sat on the bench. I don't know why else that would have happened to me, but um, I'm not that type of guy. I want to be facing things. I want to be. Um, I want to achieve things. I want to. I just want to play football, and that's why I wanted to do. I was young at the time, um, and that's why I've been able to have played a lot of games in those early days. Um, so I love, there's so many highlights, so many ups and downs. That's the name of the game. Uh, that's life. But then. The reason then why I left to come to Inverness in Scotland, because uh, I think it was about 2015. Was it 2015? Yeah, I think so. Just won the cup. Yeah, so I knew I loved going away with Wales. I was, I was in the Welsh setup and I was, I was going away with them every single time. And for me to be involved with the international setup, I had to either play for a championship team or in the SPL. In Scotland, so um, Inverness gave me the opportunity to go there. I thought, oh, playing in Europe, I've never done that before. That's another, you know, something else I've never done. But it's a great opportunity to and something to put on my CV that I've played in Europe, which um, and I did that. Um, so went up to Inverness, loved it up there. It was unbelievable. Yogi, the manager, fantastic manager, by the way. He is um, a real tactician. He used to call it like a classroom. It was brilliant. He was he was a really really good um, manager. Um, loved he could talk football all day long. Um, but I loved it because I learned again learned so much about the way he he saw football, and it also kept me in the in the Wales picture. And I was allowed to um, keep go you know go away with Wales, um, which then at the end of that end end of that. Year season, we went away with uh, to France again with Inverness. Sadly, after my first year, um, I signed. Then I think I signed a three-year contract after my first first year there. But what happened was that killed it really was Yogi. He left um, the, the the club and himself parted ways, and it was a it was a real shame really for us because we were left in limbo. Um, the club really didn't, could never get back to the levels we were at. at. Um, and after that, I had a, a clause in my contract. I remember being away. Um, I think I was playing Serbia away in a World Cup qualifier. It was uh, in the off-season. And I had a phone call saying um, we had been relegated um, from the SPL. And I had a phone call saying... Um, all the players pretty much have got to go because of the budget and whatever else. So I, I was, I was, I was okay with that. Not, not a problem. Absolutely, 
I get that. That's football. Uh, even though I had just bought a house there and I was, I loved living up there. It was right up my street. Um, beautiful part of the world. Um, but I had an ambition. This was after the Euros. Uh, and my ambition was to try and play abroad somewhere. Because uh, you only get one shot at playing football. And it's a short career, but I just wanted to experience. I wanted to learn something different rather than just what I had experienced before. Um, and this opportunity to America came. And um, thankfully to Inverness, they allowed me to stay for a few months extra because obviously the, the season there and slightly different to the one over here in Europe. Um, so they were happy enough for me to stay a little bit longer. Um, and then off I went to America to, to experience that, um, which, do you know what? It was phenomenal. What a change it was. It was everything I wanted at that point in my career, going out, uh, travelling the whole east of USA and um, and just learning, constantly learning about different ways of playing football, the way they see it, and just culture in itself as well. Obviously, Greg Shields has got a lot of experience of, of uh, coaching over in America at a similar level to what you were playing at. It was the... It's, it's, uh, name of the league escapes and it was Indy 11 that you played for wasn't it yeah USL yeah 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 Um, yeah so Greg I think Greg Greg had been there for 10 years he was playing for North well he went there yeah North Carolina yeah Um, and obviously he was a coach there uh, towards um, the last part last couple of years he was there he was a a coach there but again he he, me and him we bounce stories off one another um and both have got um, good things to say about 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 it there. You know, we both really loved our time there. Um, but having said that, happy to be back here as well. Well, you know, America's OK, but it's not done fair, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so then after, so Hamilton obviously was your next stop. Yeah. So um, from America, then we were expecting our first baby. Um, and I knew Brian Rice from my time, obviously, at Inverness, and I got on really well with with, with Chipper. Um, and over the summer, we were thinking where to go, and we had a, we had an option, a couple of options of where we were going to go. And and to be honest with you, um, having worked with Brian Rice up in Inverness, I really got on really well with him, and I thought I'll I'll go with who I know. Um, yeah, and that's what I did, but you know, football doesn't work out sometimes, um, like everything, and it just didn't wasn't right. Um, didn't didn't feel like it was it was the right thing. Um, but then I was given this opportunity to come and join join Don Furman, and I've loved every minute of it. Um, <laughs> we had a car school. Uh, when I came on loan, because I was living obviously in Glasgow at the time, and it was me, Dom, Thomas, uh, Big John, I played up front for us. He was at Dundee now, and uh, Scotty Kuzik, who's with us, um, he, he's obviously resigned as well. And it was a phenomenal casco, and uh, the journey always just we just laughed the whole way, you know. And that, that made the experience so so good because of the personnel that was travelling in with me every single day. And then we'd get to the dressing room and then the banter there. And then obviously we were, when I came here, I think it was about just short of a year ago now, 
we were getting the the results that we wanted and we were claiming the table and we were getting them you know the momentum was was we were heading exactly to where we wanted to to get to we were getting to the playoffs um and obviously it was all taken away from us um but that part when i was on loan loved it absolutely loved it the fans brilliant and then i got offered the opportunity to come here full time and and one that i was absolutely delighted to take there's been we obviously as you maybe know the firmland were administration has taken us a while to get back on our feet but the, the, the one thing that's come out of that is there's good, there's good people at the club from top to bottom uh, whether it be the chairman or the podcasters all good guys <laughs> at the very bottom the podcasters at the very <laughs> bottom yeah <laughs> uh, I was going to ask you about Hamilton I was looking at the, the soccer based stats today you, you were playing in the first team like the week before you arrived at Dunfermline so yeah. I, I thought this, I mean, I, it's great. Was it just a better, you know, things didn't feel right at Hamilton? You wanted to try something else and you were obviously going to walk into the first team here as well. Yeah, it was just what was right at that time. Um, and I settled in straight away. I think in every interview, I was saying, oh, the lads have made me settle in straight away. Because I know it's difficult, you know, when you, when you come to a football club halfway through a season where it's difficult because... All the partnerships, all the bonds have been, you know, it's all been made from mm-hmm. pre-season and onwards. And you're coming in there, you're an outcast, you're trying to be accepted, whatever. Yes, it does help because I'm older. If I was a young lad, then it's it's a little bit more difficult because I'm older. I've seen it a few times before. Um, but credit to all the guys and everyone at Dunfermline, they, they welcomed me straight away. Um, and, and again, that's a, another reason why I wanted to come back here so much. Well, I, I think we all knew it was on the cards because we obviously needed needed a goalkeeper. Uh, you'd done very well. And it was obviously you loved the place because you, your pictures of East End Park that you kind of <laughs> sold to help us make money and things like that. Uh, you obviously had some affinity for us straight away. It goes back to what you said. There's good people at this football club, um, whether you work directly with the club or whether you're a fan whether you look at the newspaper on a Sunday morning to look at the scores and you're a you know kind of a a fan but not a true you know not a diehard whatever just good people just no matter where I, I go no matter where I went back then everyone wants to help you and still the case now um, I bought a house here now and um, no matter who comes in to to help me, you know, to fit whatever else, just brilliant people, honestly. And I'm not saying that because I'm on this podcast and I'm trying to make things sound better than what they are. But the people <laughs> are really genuine people, and and that's the type of people I want to be surrounded with, to be honest with you. Um, so no, uh, that's why. I painted that painting. Um, I was. I remember. I don't know if Jordan remembers, but I, I was sat down having my tea one night, and my partner Claire said to me, um, "Have you seen this? Confirmly, they're trying to raise money for, uh, for what's to come for the next few months or whatever, because obviously we were we'd gone into this pan, uh, pandemic thing. And at this point, there wasn't 
the government hadn't offered any furlough or anything like that. And immediately, straight away, I said to myself, Dunfermline have given me an opportunity to come out of Hamilton and, and, and given me something I needed at that point in my life, which was playing football and coming out of Hamilton. And I said to myself, how can I do something to kind of repay what they've given me? Um, and if you remember, if you go back to my career, I went to Bury. And I went on loan there and I played a handful of games for them at a time where I really needed to go out of Stockport. It was kind of very similar, really. But sadly, Bury have gone... But, you know, there's, there's no football yeah. club there now, no more. Yeah. And all, all of this came back to me, flooding straight away, back to me. Um, it was hard enough trying to get over the fact there wouldn't be a game on the Saturday. Um, I think we were preparing for Dundee, I think it was, if I remember mm-hmm. rightly. Um, and that obviously the, the league was postponed and then we were still training, trying to... Trying and hoping the league would start again, but obviously it wasn't going to start again. Um, but everything kept flooding back to me about the, the Barry football team and and I'm just saying to myself, I, I can't let this happen. If there's something I can do, whether it's only today's £100, then I'm going to have to do it. You know, there's something I can physically do to try and raise money for this football club. And um, obviously, my, straight away, right, that's, you know, in lockdown, I can paint. Um, I'm lucky enough I've got a hobby that I can sit in my house and do. Um, and that's what I did. So I, I remember ringing Craig Brown at the, at the club and I said to him, right, what's the most sort of memorable few years of the past history? And he goes, oh, maybe sort of the 60s. Fine, I said, I need a picture of the ground in the 60s or something. So I needed to know, to know a little bit about the history of the football club now to get all the information I I, I needed at that point. Um, and that that's when the, the, the preparing the, the painting for that, obviously, even down to the to the small detail of the ball in that I know this sounds boring now probably to, to the oh. listeners but even the ball in that painting the panels on that ball would have been the same panels as what they would have played in the late 60s so all the everything you see on that painting would have been purely in that time um, so it wouldn't be like a I don't know a mitre ball of today yeah it was it was everything had been done in in that era, um, so I was just happy that I would I was able to contribute in, in some ways. But what was nice for me, um, and I didn't do it for for this at all. But what was quite nice for me was to kind of get a relationship with the fans. Um, something I was honestly I never had dreamt of it, never thought of it at at all. But um, it was it was lovely for me to get to know the fans in that sense, um, and I still do, um, because I, I like I say I, I don't get to see the fans on a Saturday or whatever. But it's quite nice that I do see them on the odd occasion by by the art thing that I've got going on as well. Yeah, obviously, I mean hugely appreciated, and like what a good thing to do. So yeah, it was um, from one fan that was thoroughly appreciated. Thank you. Oh, thank you. But Absolutely. but like it like I say, right, it goes back. Everyone should have a football team. I don't care what football team it is, who you support, but absolutely everyone, because football makes everything tick. 
down to the kids on the street that play football in the park or whatever it is, to the old guys in the in the uh, old people's home or whatever. We all love football. There's the amount of jobs within football, you know, down to the guy that does the press, the bookies, the, the referees. Football that makes this country tick. Mm. And without it, or without a football club, it's nothing. And you've got a town like Dunfermline who's got the, the passion these you guys, the fans, have got for this football team is incredible. So I can't, I can't imagine this place without a football club. It, it, it's ridiculous to even imagine that. So not a chance I was going to... Like I say, if I, if I can do something, I'll always do it, you know? Um, because I know how much it means to people. Um, and I, and I want to be involved because you've given me something. You gave me something back in at the end of January or early February or whatever it was last year. You gave me something then. And I always feel I can never repay you guys enough for what you've done to me, if you know what I mean. So that's why I, I was desperate to get involved. Good man, Owen. Lovely words. You're right. Every, every, every town deserves a football team. You and Falkirk. <laughs> They deserve a bad one, but they deserve one nonetheless. <laughs> I actually, when we played them um, in the cup early in the season, yeah, um, a few of the staff did mention something about that, but I'm not going to get into that. But yeah, I was <laughs> I was made aware of, of something or other. <laughs> it's best not to in football because you never know where you're going to rock up at some point. <laughs> 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 uh, just talking about that, the... the Going back to your, your your picture of the sixties, that that is one thing you probably weren't aware of the the kind of glittering past that the clubs had, albeit it was really only in that decade. But you know, European semi finalists and, and things like that, knocking the Lisbon Lions at the Scottish Cup and our way to winning it. I know, and you know all the stories that goes with that. When I meet the fans, um, they've all got a different story about different things. Um, I remember one lady telling me, "Oh, I remember the buses when we played against Celtic." all the buses that were um, parked along by the ground there. Um, and I'm trying to picture all this, you know, and I'm thinking, oh, can I put that on canvas or not? But the more stories I get, the the more information I get, the more I can put down on the canvas then. But no matter, every time I meet someone, someone's got a different story about the football club and that's what makes it so special, I suppose. Um, but it's great meeting different fans as in um, different age groups they've all got different stories about about the football club great stuff mate great stuff uh, just we're, we're going to have to tie it up I think just a couple of very quick interview questions then uh, what's been your most memorable moment in football was that a daft question uh, can I pick two because it's going to yeah. be getting my cap for Wales obviously something I that's the the biggest dream I could ever have dreamt is representing my country um, and obviously, semi-finals of the European Championship. That is again highlight. Yeah, yeah. Who's the who's the best player you've ever played with? Probably a daft question as well. Yeah, it's the main man, isn't it? Viva Gareth Bale. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe be Kyle Turner two or three years time, but yeah, probably Gareth. Bale. Why not? Why not? Uh, best player you've played against? Oof. Um, tough question. Um. Who's the best keeper you've seen at the other end of the pitch then? Maybe there's a better one. Um, in the flat, like playing against him, Lorius. Yeah, yeah. Joe Hart. Um, 
when he was in his prime, mm. he was one best in the world. Um, yeah. Phenomenal. Um, but then you look at someone like Craig Gordon, what, you know, another fantastic goalkeeper. Um, was it an unbelievable career? Um, steady. But in terms of out, outfield, maybe, I don't know, Rob Ben. Um, there's so many, you know, um, that I've been lucky enough to have seen. But, uh, yeah, in terms of goalkeepers, Lloris or Joe Hart. And what's your, what does your future hold after football? Well, I take it you're going to you aim to be involved in it for as long as you can. You can feel the passion coming through from what you're saying, so. Yeah, I love football. Uh, football is everything, isn't it? Football, uh, it's everything I want to do. But so um, if I can stay within football, and I know it's difficult, um, I'd love to be involved in football as long as I possibly can. If not, I'm not really sure. Um, I also enjoy, as as we've mentioned, my art. That's something I'm doing in the background that, that I'll continue to do. Um, but the both of them, it's such a contrast between the football and the art. It kind of both works hand in hand for me. It, it kind of changes my mind and all that, you know. The uh, the the how football can bombard you um, and it's demanding. And then obviously the flip of the coin is is and it, it doesn't go hand in hand really, does it? When you think about it, football being no, so it, it takes your mind off it. That's what you're it takes your mind so. off it. That's it. Yeah. It's a, it's, a con- it's a contrast it's a contrast is what it's what you need yeah yeah uh, so can I just thank you so much for your time uh, your, your passion for the club comes across your passion for football comes across and we appreciate you taking two hours out of your evening to, just to speak to us anytime thanks for having me guys it's been really nice talking to you it's, it's, it's been wonderful and it's been wonderful to speak to you and it's been wonderful we have quite a lot of uh, games and, and a good start to the season to talk about so, so thanks for that Jordan thanks very much for your time as well no worries thanks for having me Michael as always good to see you thanks for coming thank you thank you and until next time from Everett Black and White Noise Mana Pars Mana Pars <laughs>